This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. As we were worshiping, I got this image um, that just ties in so beautifully with my message. So maybe it was me, maybe it was God, but we'll go with God. Um, but it's, it is biblical, so it's all good. Um, but as we were worshiping, I saw all of our hands lifted up in praise, but in your hand was a sword. And the sword wasn't fighting, it was actually just proclaiming the victory that was already ours. And it was so beautiful to hear all of your voices praising this morning and realizing that we all get to lift up that shout of victory, that we no longer have to fight the battle, but that we actually can stand in victory. And when we raise our swords, it's not that we need to cut down the enemy because the that's already been done at the cross, right? Amen? And so we get to step into that victory. And that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning is this idea of, of living a supernatural life that goes after everything that Christ paid for on this cross, bringing in that victory, stepping into that victory that we get to claim in Jesus' name because of what he did on the cross. And, and I believe that there's so much more that we have access to than just forgiveness of sins and just getting into heaven and, and uh, being reconciled with God, that is all awesome. And that is the beginnings of the wonderful gifts that we have access to. And uh, so I want to delve into that this morning because I believe that nobody wants to settle for less, right? Nobody likes to settle for less. But uh, as, we, as I've actually, um, this has been burning in my heart for about a year, so you'll have to bear with me as I try and get a year's worth of stuff out to you in a little bit of time. But uh, as I've kind of been spending this year doing my own little tests and experiments, trying to see, like, where is the limits of what God has gotten for us? And the beautiful thing I found is that there actually aren't any. It's so good. God has more for us than we could ever imagine or we could ever actually step into. And there's always more for us. So let's get excited about that. Um, and as, uh, as I started this journey, God brought me to Luke 11, verse 21 to 23, and I just want to read that for you this morning out of the Passion Translation. If you want to follow along on screen, awesome. Uh, It says, Satan's belongings are undisturbed as he stands guard over his fortress kingdom, strong and fully armed with an arsenal of mighty weapons. But when one stronger than he comes to attack and overpower him, the stronger one, which in this case is Jesus, will empty the arsenal in which he trusted. And the conqueror, who again is Jesus, will ransack his kingdom and distribute all the spoils of victory. This is a war, and whoever is not on my side is against me, but whoever does not gather the spoils with me will be further scattered. And so I want to just put the emphasis on this idea this morning of gathering the spoils. Because God's heart is not for any of us to be scattered, but actually for us to step into what he has for us. And I love this way that the Passion Translation talks about how we have the opportunity to go and gather the spoils of the victory of the cross this morning. And uh, 
I know that uh, here this is actually Jesus talking, and he's talking about what he's going to do on the cross when he went and he died and he was in the grave and defeated Satan and rose again on the third day. He didn't just go and have a little rest for a couple of days. He was warring. It was a battle in that grave for us, for you and me. And he rose victorious on that third day so that we could gather the spoils with him. And maybe for some of you... um, I know we're in a military town, so some of you will kind of get that reference or maybe just heard of gathering the spoils before, Um, but I am very thankful to our men and women of the military that I am not familiar with the ways of war. So uh, when we talk about this idea of gathering the spoils, it brings us back to biblical times when they would do war and they would go out and they wouldn't just fight their battle and go home. They would actually go and whoever was the winning army would then go through the defeated army catch like all their all their valuables that were on them any uh, weapons that were on them and then if they were close to the town that they had defeated they would also go into the town and get all of the valuable things uh, from the town and this was actually by right theirs in in the rules of war back then that's just what they did is because I won I get to have all of your valuable things so in the same way Jesus is saying that we get to gather all of the valuable things and they are now rightfully ours because of what he did on the cross. And so I love that he puts it this way um, in the Passion Translation about gathering the spoils because that's what I really want to go after this morning is this idea that we get to gather the spoils of the victory of Christ on the cross. And, And I love how Actually, what he's depicting here in Luke 11, what Jesus is talking about is that we don't have to fight. We don't have to actually fight the battle at all. He already fought it. It's finished. When he was on the cross, just like we had a whole sermon series based on this, (laughs) it's called It Is Finished. It's paid in full, right? He said it is finished. The, The battle is over. So now we get to actually not have to fight, but still get to gather the spoils, which is something that was not common. So I talked about how in Bible days you would go and you would gather the spoils, but there was a rule with that, that if you didn't fight, then you didn't get to be part of the gathering of the spoils, and that was their culture back then. But Jesus likes to turn things upside down. That's just what he does. And so he's actually saying, you know what? No, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to fight for you, and you can just have all the spoils. And this may sound too good to be true because we live in a culture where you earn it and you work for it, and that's, that's what we do, and that's awesome. But this actually isn't the first time that we see this in the Bible. And if I can take you back to Second Chronicles verse 20, I'm going to just do a brief synopsis for our time sake here. But we see here that there's a whole bunch of nations that come together and band in war against Judah. And so King Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah at the time, and he does something awesome. He decides to go and seek God's guidance and tells all of the people of Judah to fast and pray. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's how our leaders responded to things today? Like, that would be, wow. We'll just keep praying for him. Hey, that's awesome. Um, and as they're there, they're all outside of the temple, and this man speaks up, and he prophesies. And we read in Second Chronicles 20, verse 15, he says, This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged for this mighty, uh, by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So even then, does that sound familiar? He even then said, yes, you're facing an enemy, just like we face a spiritual enemy every single day. But even then, he said, don't worry, I've, I've already got it. I've got this. I'm going to fight for you. And 
So we see that as King Jehoshaphat responds to that, he still goes out in battle. He still does what he needs to do, but he does something a little different. He decides to do a different strategy and places the worshipers in front of the army of Judah. Now, those have to be some very faith-filled, courageous worship leaders. I don't think I want to be that worship leader, but... This is what he does. And in the moment that he decides to do this and puts the worshipers first, we see that God begins to move. And God begins to move on the battlefield where all of the different armies that had come together start fighting against one another. And he causes confusion as Judah begins to praise. As the people of Judah begin to praise, he fights their battle for them. Isn't that beautiful? We just sang about that and raise a hallelujah, right? Our weapon is a melody. Their melody, their praise that they were raising up ended up being the weapon that caused confusion and won the battle through the work of God. And so they come to the battlegrounds, and they actually don't have to fight at all um, because they didn't have to fight, but the battle's already been won for them. So they still get to be victorious, and they still get to go and gather the spoils. And we read in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 25, that when King Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoils, they found much among them, including equipment, garments, and valuable things, which they took for themselves, more than they could carry away, so much that they spent three days gathering the spoils. Wow. So this passage, I think, is so significant because it parallels what we have in the cross in many different ways. And I wanted to spend this morning pointing out a couple of those things um, so that we can step into all that God has for us through the cross. And I have to say, it took me years, actually, um, before I realized that what was done at the cross, um, I, I grew up in a Christian household, and I was blessed to be raised by Christians. But something that I just always thought was that, like, the, the cross was for, you know, my salvation, and that was good, and now we move on. Um, but the more I get to know God, the more I realize that the cross is for us every single day. The cross is our victory for every single day, not just, um, not just for forgiveness of sins, but for so much more. And so, first of all, if I can look at the parallels between these two stories of what we read in Luke 11 and what we read in Second Chronicles 20, we see that um, I love this idea that Judah before they can even get to the battlefield to gather the spoils, what do they do? They praise. They worship. That is their response to warfare, is praise and worship, which is profound because the name Judah actually means praise. So it wasn't just that we, were, we praise for our battles, and I think that that can be taken from this passage as well. That's awesome. It's powerful. Our praise is powerful. But also we see that they're stepping into the identity that God gave them. When they stepped into a place of praise, they were stepping into their God-given name and their identity that God spoke over them as the people of Judah. So in the same way, if we want to move forward in gathering the spoils of the cross that Christ has for us, it's important for us to know our identity and to walk in that. And back in the Bible days, names were very important and the meanings of them um, were very important. And I think that that still stands today. And actually, um, if we look at our name for the nation of Canada, Canada means settlement. And if you look at the Oxford definition of settlement, it means a place, typically one that has been uninhabited, where people establish a community. And I think that that's profound for the Church of Canada, 
because we are to go out and find the uninhabited hearts and to bring the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to those uninhabited hearts and to bring settlements into the hearts of the people of Canada that have been uninhabited so far. And so God has something to say through every name, not just as a nation, but also individually. And if we look through the Bible, we can actually see what God says about us, who he, what, what identity he speaks over us. And so I've created a little list that is not all of it, but I couldn't fit any more on the screen. So you'll just have to <laughs> take a picture of that if you want it. Um, but we see that the Bible calls us children of God, accepted and chosen, one with Christ in spirit, a royal priesthood, the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is profound because that's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. And God's workmanship, we're complete, free from sin, alive, untouchable by Satan. Yes, I have a Bible verse for it too. We're untouchable, co-heirs with Christ, citizens of heaven, more than conquerors, ambassadors of Christ, righteous, loved, and strengthened with the power of God. Wow. That is who you are. Yeah, that's good news. The list could go on and on, guys. That's just what I could fit up there. So, so there is so many good things that God wants to speak over you. And, the, you know, the world tries to put labels on us every single day. But God came so that he could remove, Jesus came, that's God, um, to remove those labels so that we could walk in our true identity through the cross. Colossians 2, verse 14 to 15 tells us that he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So that means that all of those labels that the enemy tries to remind you of are now nailed to the cross, and we are able to leave them there. He cannot remind you of your past anymore. Your past has been shredded. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, he shamed the one who has been trying to shame you. Yes, that is good. So, the first spoil that we need to gather in order to even have access to all of the rest of it is our identity in Christ. We need to receive the, the identity as forgiven, as children of God, as co-heirs with Christ. We need to walk in that and know that that's who God says we are if we're going to be able to have the authority to go and snatch up everything else that will allow us to have victory over Satan in our lives. I don't know where I am in my notes, but that's okay. <laughs> you know what? It's good. God has so much for us that we can't even begin to understand how much that we have access to. I love how he actually said that he gave the people of Judah more than they could carry away. And I think that this, again, parallels us because it took them till the third day to actually carry away all of the spoils of the victory that God won for them, in the same way that it took until the third day for Jesus to rise victorious and give us access to all of the spoils of this battle that happened for us 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? That in the same way, we have access 
to more than we could ever handle. I love that. We can't even handle the goodness of God. Some people will say, you know, oh, God won't give you more than, handle, more than you can handle. But I think the beautiful thing is that God doesn't give us more than he can handle. And when we partner with him through the Holy Spirit and we invite the Holy Spirit to live through us, there's nothing that he can't do, right? So we have access to all of that as we tap in to our God-given identity. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus died and defeated the thief so that he could take back everything that he stole from us. And he overcame Satan, just as we read in Luke 11. Not just so that we could get into heaven and feel better about ourselves, but he actually wants us to gather all of the spoils so that we can live in an abundant life. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to live in mansions. That would be lovely. But, you know, he actually has abundance of other things that we can access through the cross. And that's what he's talking about here. So that means that when we live in that abundant life, we live in fullness of peace in all circumstances. We live in full health and healing. We live in full restoration for our marriages or our relationships, our friendships, our families. That means that we are walking in full freedom from addictions we walk in miraculous provisions, and the list could go on and on and on. And then I actually want to show you some of those lists um, with the Bible verses that go with them. But God has so much for us, just as we see in Malachi 3.10. It says, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing too great or so great you won't have enough room to take it in. So just as the people of Judah couldn't even carry away all of the spoils that they got. The Lion of Judah came and gave us access to more than we could ever ask and imagine, more than we will even have room for. Isn't that amazing? And so I conducted my own little search just to see, like, what scripturally is connected to the cross. Because I know through God we have access to a lot. As Christians, we should be walking in a lot of different things. But what is directly because of the cross? And so this is not by no means an exhaustive list. Um, this is just a few things that I came across, and I encourage you guys to look into this even more and do your own search. But the first few things that I found were that through the cross, we have salvation, freedom, forgiveness, eternal life, real love. Guys, I'm not talking about the love that you find in your friends and your family here, but he has a real agape, sacrificial love that is something you will never encounter on earth unless it's through another Christian because of Christ in them. This is real love. We have relationship with God, healing, strength, peace, provision, and the ability to cast out demons all because of what he did at the cross. Those are direct promises that because of the cross, you have this. But we can go one step further because Ephesians 1 verse 22 to 23 says God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So here we see that Christ is in us, right? We are the church, but he then bought back all authority for us because he is head over the church and Christ has all authority. So if we have Christ living in us, and that is our, our new identity, co-heirs with Christ, right? We are now Christ living through us. And we also then, because Christ died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, we have access to the Holy Spirit. So then we have all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. So we can actually 
read what those are in 1 Corinthians 12. So I've listed those off. So we have the first list. And then on top of that, we have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So add that to your first list. So we know that God gave us access to those spoils as well. Are you guys kind of getting the pictures that go on? I got more. (laughs) I do. This is so exciting. God gave us access to not just these, but it says in Revelation 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So anytime we read through the Gospels, through the testimony of Jesus' life, we can see what he did. And when you read something that Jesus did, it prophesies, it tells you that you now have permission to do the same. So as I encourage you guys, read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and see what he did and claim that for your life because this is powerful Anytime he did something, we now have access to do the same thing. So this includes raising the dead, wow, multiplying food, de-escalating and refuting religious arguments, calming the weather. Hey, if we didn't want it to rain today, that's okay. Uh, We can multiply business profits. We can heal the sick, cast out demons. And the last one, well, he caused a fig tree to wither. I don't really know how that translates to us today, but... Maybe you can pray over your weeds in your lawn or something like that. <laughs> Don't drive by my house this week. I'll be the crazy person praying over my lawn. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, the, like, in case this wasn't enough, he actually then takes all of the limitations off by saying, yes, you can do everything that I do. But in John 14, verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father. So we now have permission to outdo Jesus. Wow. I personally have never seen someone live a life that outdoes Jesus. And we've had amazing revivalists go before us that we can look back on their lives and say, wow, God was moving through them. God was really um, anointing them for this or that. But you know, it's so exciting to hear that he's not done yet, that there's still more, that we don't have to live in Uh, the revivalists of old, but that he has a new revival coming. He says, behold, I do a new thing. So even if we haven't seen it yet, get ready because God is doing a new thing. He, and because Christ bought back the authority God always wanted us to have through the cross, we have access to so much more. It says in Hebrews 2 verse 8 that you, meaning God, gave them, meaning humans, so you gave them authority over all things, So now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. All things. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. So what is he saying here? You have all authority, but we don't see all the authority. He's actually saying, you have it. You have authority over all things. But we haven't actually seen someone step into the fullness of all that authority yet. And that's not to discourage us. That's actually to encourage us, to inspire us, to say, wow, there is still more out there, guys. There is still more that we can do. There is more to pursue. There is more to go after this morning that God has already given us access to. It's not that we need to fight for it and we need to struggle for it and we need to strain harder. It means that we actually just get it. It's just ours through the cross. And so we can step into that. Um, And I want to encourage you that just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it's not possible. And we have to be very careful to not allow our experiences to dictate us our level of faith. Right? 
Because sometimes we can build a doctrine on what our life experiences have been through hurts or through disappointments. And I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you this morning why God doesn't do some things that we pray for. There are some things that we won't have an answer for this side of heaven. But I will say this, that it's time for us to keep our hopes up, get our faith up, and let it rise to believe for the even greater things in our lives and the lives of those around us. If we can look around this room, each and every single one of you are spoils of the cross. Christ paid for each and every one of you. But now we get to not just live our own life of pursuing the spoils of the cross. We get to encourage one another. These are your cheerleaders. If you look around, this is your family. It's going to cheerlead you on to go after those things, to say, you can do it. We can do the even greater things. I'm believing with you. I'm praying with you. We are going to see that miracle. We are going to see that provision. We are going to see that prodigal child come back to Christ. And I'm going to pray and believe with you, and I'm going to encourage you, because this is what family does. We're going to get that, let that faith arise and not let our experiences dictate our level of faith. Another thing, I'm, I'm going to just go back because I missed one more thing, but if we look around, who do we not see in this room? Because that's important too. Christ died for everyone. There's no exception. So who do you not see in this room? Whether it be coworkers, family, friends, because they're the spoils of the cross too. And when we gather the full spoils of what Christ did for us, it's not just for us. We have to realize that we step into that identity and we step into the fullness of all of the miracles that he has for us because he wants us to go after every single other person that needs to know about what they have access to. Someone had to tell you, just like they had to tell me, what was available to us, to say that there is a God who loves us so much that not only did he die to forgive us and bring us back into relationship with God, but because of that, he's given us power, he's given us authority to go out and gather everybody back to the identity that God always truly wanted for them. There is an identity crisis in our culture right now, and we have the answer. But if we don't gather all of the spoils, the spoils of people's souls, of people's identities that are lost, then we won't be able to get the answer to them if we don't first step into what God has for us. God has given us all of these gifts, all of these lists of things that we can do so that we can go out and do the work of Christ. He has good works planned for each of us through the power given to us through the spoils of the cross. He's given us those to empower us to go out and do the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, including Canada, including Kingston, including your home, right? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. I love that. God has good works to do through his workmanship. It's all connected to our identity. It's who he made you to be. I know that works doesn't, works doesn't get us our salvation, but it is still important. And Bill Johnson says it this way. He says, works cannot save us, but without the fruit of good works in our lives, we lack the evidence that identifies us as a new creation in Christ. 
just as God's nature is revealed in what he does, the, exp- the evidence that we are being transformed into his likeness is that we reveal his nature in what we do. So our works validate that we have embraced our identity in Christ. Those first spoils that we talked about, when we act out a life that's in line with what Christ did, when we live like Jesus did, right? That's, that's what we say here. We live like Jesus. We love like Jesus. And if we want to do that, that mission is re- going to require action. It's going to require works in order to actually live out a life like Jesus did. But I love that. Like, God, God doesn't say this to shame us. He actually is saying that to empower us. So I hope that you get that this morning, that he has empowered you through all of these gifts that he's given you access to, that we don't need to settle for anything less, but he's looking for you to just step in to what he's enabled you to do. And I'm not saying, not everybody is meant to stand up and preach in front of people. Not everybody's meant to stand on a soapbox in Market Square, right? But we can all pray for a friend. We can all share the gospel with someone who's never heard it. And that can sound frightening and intimidating. But if I can remind you that peace that surpasses understanding and that love that casts out fear, that's also part of the spoils that we get through the cross. So when we grab on to that identity again and say, no, that's not who I am. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am empowered by Christ. I can share this because it's who I am. This is a great thing. Who wouldn't want to know that someone gave their life for them? We're not ashamed to talk about on Remembrance Day, talking about all of the people who gave their lives for our freedom. Every day, we have an opportunity to share about someone who gave their life for our freedom, who gave their life for our empowerment, not just ours, but for everybody else. And so when we truly get a hold of that identity of who we are, we can't help but share that with other people. So that's all great and fine to say, but how do we actually access that? And if I were to get into specifics about all of the lists that I gave you, I'd have you here for weeks because they're all very exciting things and we could walk through exactly how to do that. But I just want to generically go over one thing. It's found in Hebrews 3 and 10, and it says, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works, just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. I love that. So this is talking about us having faith and rest. Faith rest, not faith striving. We don't actually have to go out and re-defeat the devil. It's already been done. Like we said, it is finished, right? So we have to actually intentionally stop our hustle. We have to stop the work. Sometimes our culture will say, well, if you just work hard enough, you'll get it, right? But again, God flips things upside down. He just likes to do that. And he says, no, actually, I want you to purposefully, intentionally, stop. And we're going to intentionally rest. Isn't that countercultural, right? That is actually really hard for us to do. And there was a study done that uh, had people stay in a room with nothing in it. And there was, if they wanted to get out, they had to actually shock themselves. And people 
would not want to stay in this room for longer than 30 seconds. People would rather choose to shock themselves than have to stay still and be quiet for any longer than 30 seconds because we have filled ourselves with so much in this culture that we want to stay stimulated and we want to stay active. And it's so hard for us to just quiet down and be still and rest and trust that God can take care of it all. And that's how he says that we access the spoils of the cross is through this idea of rest, that we don't take on the battle for ourselves because the battle has already been won. Dutch Sheets says it this way, we're not trying to defeat the devil, he's already defeated. We do not re-defeat, we represent the victory of the cross. So when we claim the promises of the word of God, we are reminding the enemy that he's, he has lost We've reminded him of everything that he's lost, and we're now staking our claim to everything that was won for us on the cross. And then we can, because although Christ already died for it, we still have the responsibility to stand up and say, hey, that's mine, right? Just like if you've seen any two kids play together, one will inevitably take a toy, and then the other one has to stand up and be, hey, that's mine, right? I see my little two-year-old do that all the time. So that's that's, but that's instinctive, and we need to get that in us spiritually to not just be like, oh, well, I guess that's my burden to bear. No, it's not. <laughs> I can encourage you. That's actually our cue to say, hey, no, I'm going to take back what the enemy stole from me. There's a song about that that I learned in kids' church. It's good. Um, I'll sing it for you later. But, <laughs> but. You know, we actually need to stand up and we need to get that gumption in us again. That we aren't just Christians that are going to lay down and let the enemy win and say, okay, well, we need to be kind and we need to turn the other cheek. Not to the devil, we don't. Exactly. We need to stand up and stake our claim to what is ours because we are co-heirs with Christ. What is ours is ours and we need to stand up and take it. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. So although those benefits have been won, those spoils have been won, we still have to take hold of those things for ourselves. And if I can clarify here, when it's talking about eternal life, take hold of eternal life, that's not actually talking about us in heaven. Our eternal life starts, just like it says here, when we confess with our mouths, that we've given our life to Christ, when we receive the forgiveness of our sins and say, yes, I want to give my life to Christ, we now step in to eternal life and all of the spoils of the cross that go with that. Now we have access to that and we can pull down heaven because the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places. That's who we are. We are citizens of heaven. So therefore, we get to access all of the benefits of eternal life here and now. And when we understand that identity... We can stand firmly in that, and by faith in the promises of the word of God, we can simply do what the Bible says. Ask, and you will receive. You simply ask, and you get the spoils of the cross, because it's who we are. And I know that we, we seem to have a bad stigma with the word entitlement uh, nowadays, because some people have given it a bad name. But actually, if I can say, we as Christians are entitled because the word entitled means that you've been given a title, and with that title you have access to things that you don't have to work for, but just simply because of who you are. That's actually what entitled means. And so if you're not entitled to something, then yes, entitlement gets a bad name. But when we actually walk in the title that has been given us with all the responsibilities as well as the benefits, 
when we walk into our identity, that title that God has given us, then we are entitled to what everything, all of the spoils of the cross, we are now entitled to take hold of because of what Christ did for us. It's kind of like if we were to buy something online and then have it pick up in store, right? So it's already ours. It's already there. We paid for it. I have a receipt. It is mine. But I don't actually have it. I have to go to the store and actively go get it, right? So that is what God is calling us to do. He's saying, I've already paid for it. I have the receipt. It looks like this. This is our receipt. And he's saying, now go get it. Just go pick it up. This is what we have. All of those things, a life more abundant that says that we can now step into a place where we can bring healing to hearts and bodies. We can see miracles in all areas of our lives. We can prophesy God's heart over people when they can't even see their own worth. We can declare the truth and stand for it, even when it's not a popular opinion, yet do so in love and not anger. Um, But we can also access wise counsel of the Holy Spirit for our relationships and our marriages for parenting. I know I need it for parenting every single day. (laughs) But that's all ours. And as we take hold of the spoils of the cross, we have this promise, and I'll end with this today. It says in Colossians 1 verse 5, that your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realms. So we have this promise that as we go after the spoils of the cross, our inheritance as co-heirs, faith and love increase in us as we gather those spoils. Because as we see God do something, as we access the spoils of healing, and you see healing happen, you want to see it again, right? And again, and again. And it's just like anything. Faith is like a muscle. You exercise it, and it grows. But also, the more you see, the more you believe that God can now do it again, right? So our faith increases as we go after those miraculous things of God. And as we go after those, now we have more tools to show love to those around us, right? God has given us more than just nice words and encouragement, which are great. We should still do that. But I'm saying, let's go even further. God has given us the ability to bring healing to people, to bring the heart of God to people through a prophetic word. He's given us the ability to actually minister to them through miraculous provisions, and we can now up our game to say, I'm not just a good person, I'm a God person, right? So when we do that, our love increases because our, the ways that we can love on people have now increased. But also as we delve into this deeper relationship that gives us access to those spoils, we now have more revelation of God's love for us. And I love how Pastor Ray spoke so beautifully over the last two weeks that as we get that revelation in us of God's love, it splashes over onto the people around us, right? So we get our love to grow so that it can splash out onto other people and our faith to grow so that we can have more capacity to love and it just keeps going on and on because God is so good. So I believe that this morning it's time for us to rise up and stop fighting, stop striving, And actually just start taking what has already been won for us. And as we go into this week, let's go after all of the spoils of the cross, guys. Let's believe for the greater things. If we can even band together, and actually if if you can stand with me, I'm just going to pray for you before you go out. And if there's anything that has really spoken to you this morning, guys, I want to encourage you. This is all yours. You have access to every single one of those lists. And I want to encourage you to go after all of them. 
You have to start somewhere. You know what? I've prayed over people from healing and not seen it happen. That doesn't mean that God doesn't heal. That means that I'm going to go do it again until I do see him heal, right? So if we can have that mindset to say that no matter what happens, no matter what I see, I believe that God has more. He has immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine, and I'm going to go after the limitless authority and power that God has placed in me through Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.